0: Welcome to Joe's Weather World, your only weather podcast dedicated to Kansas City. Hi everyone, I'm Fox 4 Meteorologist Joe Loria and welcome to my very first, very first one, numero uno, podcast number one of Joe's Weather World. Now, just a little backstory, just to kind of bring you up to date. I've been trying to do this now for about a month and a half, and for whatever reason, partly my own, partly other things, I've never been able to get around to doing something like this. But it's always been something that I've been thinking about here over the last about 6 or 12 months as podcasting has become more and more popular, uh, certainly nationwide, but also here at the station. A lot of folks have different podcasts, and I thought to myself, you know what we need? We need a podcast dedicated to the world of weather. That's all this is going to be. It's going to be a podcast dedicated to weather. It's going to be a lot of my thoughts about different things, things happening in Kansas City, things happening in the nation, maybe things happening in the world from a weather standpoint. Uh, Most of the podcasts are probably going to be me, but every so often we're going to bring in a guest or two. And chit chat about uh, certain other aspects of the meteorological community that we've got here in Kansas City. We've got some great resources uh, that I want to kind of bring to your attention. I have done that over the years, uh, but this time we're going to do some interviews and stuff like that. So uh, that is my plan for this particular podcast. In a sense, it's almost going to be, and this is something I've actually thought about. I don't know how we could make money on this but i always thought it would be very cool to have a weather show on the radio all dedicated to weather i think we'd have about 10 listeners but you know what it'd be fun to do so that's what this is going to be all about here as we move forward it's a podcast dedicated to weather with a kansas city emphasis but other things to talk about and every so often I write down little stuff to talk about, and I've got a piece of paper here that I've got somewhere uh, that I wanted to kind of bring up to you. Um, for those of you who are fans of my weather blog, this is going to be a very um, kind of like companion thing to the weather blog. Usually I'll write a blog, uh, i probably say about four or five times a week, as long as the weather is doing something. And here it is in the fall, this is Late October here in Kansas City, it's beautiful outside, and our weather has actually been pretty quiet lately. Uh, So it's been tough to kind of write blogs about different parts of the weather uh, around here when the weather has really been, uh, for all intents and purposes, kind of non-existent. It's been pretty quiet here lately, but other parts of the country, uh, not so lucky. There have been uh, quite a few uh, significant weather features that I want to kind of touch on and kind of bring back into uh, kansas city in my own little way so that is the point of the whole weather podcast see i had to get up and get my little sheet of paper because i had things written down so i've got a whole bunch of stuff here that i want to kind of get over and let's talk about what has been going on here in kansas city and again we're recording this in late october and i know odds are you're listening to it at different times but it's been a fascinating year so far here in the middle part of the country. Of course, here in Kansas City, we had uh, a pretty decent little drought going on for most of the summertime months. Our summer was pretty toasty. We had a ridiculous number of 90-degree days over the past summer. I want to say something like close to 60 different 90-degree days or higher. A few 100 smattered in. And when you have all the dry weather like what we saw for most of the spring and summer and what a weird spring it was right we had all that cold weather in march and april it snowed in the middle part of april for goodness sakes and then finally we flipped the switch and we jumped right into summer uh, once we got to to those last few days of april and then of course may and june were ridiculously warm it was hot we dried out it was just kind of weird threw the trees off they they were late in blooming And then as soon as they bloomed and as soon as all the agricultural needs started to come out of their dormancy, boom, you went right into a drought. So it it created all sorts of stress, Uh, not only on the grass. I know at least my house, I lost a lot of grass this year, probably more so than I've lost in any other year. I'm not a big waterer, and I definitely paid the price for that lack of watering. Uh, for the summer season. But I'm trying to regrow it right now and it's starting to kind of come along pretty good. But so what I think uh, the topics that I wanted to start with this particular podcast is the the drought that we had transitioning to the deluge that we saw uh, during the month of October. And while we still may see just a little bit more rain before the month is done, it's going to turn out to be Our 14th wettest month in Kansas City weather history. And that's saying something because, you know, we've had a lot of wet months. Think of all those big flooding rains that we've had during the summertime season around this part of the country. It's just been very, very wet uh, at certain times, uh, you know, over the last few years. And sure enough, this year, once again, we had a very, very wet month. We went from a drought to a deluge. And some parts of the area have had close to 12 to 15 inches of rain for the month of October. And that's a lot of rain. I mean, it really is unusual. And, you know, when you think about it, here we are. We're up to uh, now the 14th uh, wettest month of any month in 131 years of Kansas City weather records. And when you think 131 years, you multiply those years by 12, I can't do the math because that's not what I do right now. Uh, you get a lot of months, and when you're up to number 14, uh, that's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, again, some areas had 12, 14, 15, 16 inches of rain just this month alone. So it's been quite the reversal. So the drought is over with, and that's certainly good news uh, for everybody who is concerned about something along those lines. All right, next topic of conversation we had a a strange little shot of snow how many of you remember the snow that we saw a few weeks ago on a sunday night that very unusual the earliest measurable snow in kansas city weather history so this month has been doing all sorts of crazy and bizarre things we had two tenths of an inch of snow officially up at kci Uh, it doesn't snow often in october and sure enough we actually had accumulating snow and there were parts of northern missouri that had an inch of snow in early october a couple of weeks ago so that's really a walk on the wild side so we broke the drought we had ridiculous cold we had a couple of record low temperatures we had snow which doesn't happen all that often and uh it's been just kind of a a fascinating month and don't forget about hurricane michael now this one didn't really affect kansas city per se but My goodness gracious, what Michael did to the southeast part of the country, in particular the state of Florida, is really incredible. Northwestern Florida, there are still thousands upon thousands upon thousands of folks without power in northwestern Florida. And while they're not getting the attention they probably deserve, once you go a little bit inland, and obviously you've seen the videos of the devastation in Mexico Beach, Florida, where it's going to take years To recover from uh, that particular storm. The storm surge, the winds, a Category 4 hurricane. I think I saw some of the highest wind gusts, close to 130 miles an hour recorded onshore. And that was right along the coast, and that's where typically everybody focuses their attention. But this was an unusual hurricane. It was intensifying as it came ashore. And a lot of times, you know, these hurricanes, when they come ashore in the northern reaches of the Gulf of Mexico, they actually are weakening but this one actually was intensifying. How many of you remember Katrina from years ago? Well, that was actually kind of falling apart to a certain extent as it was coming ashore. Michael, though, different animal. It was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And what happens now is uh, they go back and they look at some of the research, some of the observations that are unofficial and official. And They look and see whether or not Michael might have been a Category 5 at landfall as it was just intensifying up to the point where it finally crossed the shoreline. And I alluded to this earlier. Of course, everybody focuses their attention on the coastal area right along the beach, but what people don't really grasp is what happens inland, especially in this particular case. Once he got inland off the coast, There was widespread tree devastation, widespread residential devastation. I mean, this thing went all the way up into Georgia as a major hurricane. First time ever, if I remember correctly, that Georgia's been affected uh, by a major hurricane, I want to think. 110 mile an hour winds, devastating the peanut crop. A lot of the corn crop and the cotton crop especially got really ripped to shreds in the state of Georgia. So Georgia also got hit very very hard uh by what was left of michael and michael still had plenty left by the time it got up into georgia and then it went up towards the mid-atlantic states so michael is definitely going to be one of the biggest weather events i think uh for the month of october and probably for 2018 overall i mean it's just crazy how uh how devastating michael was from a power standpoint and stuff like that but uh, You know, they've come a long ways. Like I mentioned, there are still thousands of people without power um, in that part of the country. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, when we have hurricanes like this, it it just takes years to recover, years to recover. How about uh, another little tidbit for you? And that's what this podcast is all about, tidbits, things that you probably don't know. In other words, what your weather app can't tell you, one of my popular segments that I do every night that I'm on the air phoenix arizona let's go to the other side of the country speaking of october's third wettest month okay ever any month in phoenix arizona they were affected by some tropical systems earlier in the month Uh, they've had over five inches of rain which i know for us right that's half the rain that we've had so far this month here in kansas city but for phoenix that's a lot of rain uh third wettest month ever and For the month of October, at least, it's their wettest October ever. All right. And I'm going to tell you a connection, or maybe a connection. I'm not sure about that. But uh, I'm going to tell you something about wet October's in Phoenix and maybe something along our winter lines uh, here. Uh, But in Phoenix, typically they get all their rain during the monsoon season. And the monsoon season for them is typically June, July, August, maybe some lingering activity into September. And sure enough, when you look at their wettest months, it's July uh, back in 1911, September back in 19, I want to say 39, I think, where they had uh, five, six, six and a half inches of rain. Those are their wettest months. So it's very unusual in the month of October for them to do so well, and they have done so well in the Phoenix area. So is there a connection to us and the winter here? Well, you know, it's interesting because I look back at some of these really wet Octobers in the Phoenix area. I went and basically looked at this October, which is number one. And then I looked at the other eight or nine Octobers that were so wet out there because there are some who feel that, you know, if conditions in the desert southwest are are favorable for rain, and, and they have been lately, And, you know, can you take a straight line, which you should never do in weather, and draw that to maybe something interesting for us during the winter season? So one of my weather blogs that I did a couple of weeks ago was looking at Phoenix and then extrapolating that and looking at what would happen around here. When Phoenix has such wet conditions during the fall, especially in the month of October, what would happen around here? Uh, in terms of possibly, maybe, some extra snow. Huh, interesting. Uh, so I did all this research about this, and what I discovered was there was a, a pretty decent correlation that when they had very wet Octobers, we had snowy winters here in Kansas City. And I'm starting to get a lot of questions from folks who, are curious about winter forecasts and what we're thinking and stuff like that. It's still a little early uh, to kind of wrap my head around that Uh, but i'm starting to look there are a couple of things that i'm looking at in particular but uh, sure enough when october is wet in phoenix not all the time uh, but when october's are wet in phoenix there's a connection to more snow during our winter season here in kansas city or at least a statistical connection maybe not a weather connection i don't know uh but like i said it it was interesting when i was doing uh that particular research it was just kind of uh in my mind for whatever reason hey speaking of winter forecast the folks at NOAA came out with their winter forecast a couple of weeks ago and i don't like the way they do things uh they're they're so probability based that uh they just don't say warmer or colder, they they do probabilities. So they do something along the lines of, we think uh, X spot in the country has a slightly better chance of milder than average temperatures. And then another spot has a better chance than that. And then a third spot has an even better chance of that. And then they have uh, what they call equal chances. And I know this is a podcast, it's not visual. So I'll have to kind of paint the picture for you. But basically, they were feeling that the Pacific Northwest had the best chance of having warmer than average temperatures for the winter. And here in Kansas City, they kind of gave us a, a slightly better chance, about a one in three chance, of having milder than average temperatures or temperatures that trended at least a little bit above average. How much above average, they aren't specific. All right. And then they had areas, if I remember correctly, off towards the southeast part of the country, what they consider equal chances 50 50. Thanks, guys. Uh, for that guidance, if you will. So uh, I don't like the way they do their winter forecasts, but that's the way they do it. And then for precipitation, um, if memory serves, we were in the equal chances area, which, um, okay, that basically just means they, they were thinking 50-50. It could be more rain or more snow or more moisture. That would probably be the better way of describing it. 50 50 chance of uh one or the other a couple of things that they're watching one thing that i'm watching and maybe they're starting to watch it too uh but there's a developing el nino going on in the tropical pacific and for those of you who don't know if you don't read the weather blog by the way fox 4 com slash joe's blog for the weather blogs el nino is basically a abnormal Warming Maybe abnormal isn't the right word because these things happen quite a bit. But it's a warming of the waters down towards the equatorial Pacific Ocean. Uh, Typically, it extends from the central Pacific, eastbound, near and north of the equator, to off the coast of South America. And there are different types of El Ninos. There are El Ninos that are uh, focused more towards South America, where the warmest waters, compared to average, are closer to the coast of South America And then there are El Ninos that are focused more towards the central Pacific Ocean. And this one is more out towards the central part of the Pacific Ocean. A lot of people uh, are kind of misinformed about El Nino when they kind of try to base a winter forecast off of it, uh, only because they don't take into account where El Nino actually is and where it's the strongest. And that's one of those things that you have to kind of pay attention to as a meteorologist. So uh, this particular El Nino is more focused out on the western portion of the area of the world that we kind of keep an eye on. We call it a Modoki El Nino. And it has different effects in the country, all right, especially here in the United States, as opposed to an El Nino that might be what we call east-based or more towards the coast of South America. And El Ninos do control, maybe control isn't the right word, influence. Uh, Jet stream patterns around the northern hemisphere, uh, maybe so much even here in the United States. Uh, Depending on the strength of El Nino, this one is not going to be overly strong. It'll probably be a high-end weak to maybe low-end moderate El Nino. When you have a really strong El Nino, when these waters in the equatorial Pacific are really warm, and let's see, I'm trying to remember, 1997, 1998, the last time we had a really strong one. The influence of El Nino can really dictate the weather. That was a ridiculously mild winter. We had uh, a little bit of snow, not much, but the mild temperatures were very common for the United States that particular winter season. This one isn't going to quite do that, okay? But there's another feature that uh, people are just now starting to talk about. And we've talked about this before on Joe's Weather World that we do every Tuesday uh, or actually every Friday during the 9 a.m. show. And this feature is what is affectionately known (laughs) as the blob, all right, B-L-O-B. I've blogged about the blob over the course of a couple of weather blogs in the last few weeks. But the blob is basically this abnormally warm, area of water in the northern pacific ocean Uh, basically from around the coast of alaska if you were to go south from there from the aleutian islands the gulf of alaska to roughly the latitude of northern california it's a big big thousands upon thousands upon thousands of square mile area of warmer northern pacific ocean waters We've seen this blob, B-L-O-B, appear in the past. Uh, back in 2014, 2015, I think it was a common feature there. And those little things, uh, actually, it's not a little thing. Those big things can influence, again, influence, jet stream patterns around the country. And typically what happens with this blob, assuming it stays where it roughly is now, uh, basically what happens is it means Alaska... Uh, has a tendency to have warmer than average temperatures, and it's been a bizarre month of October in Alaska. It finally is starting to snow in a few areas there, but they've had very, very mild temperatures. Fairbanks, I want to say, hadn't had snow up until just a few days ago. That's never happened before up in the state of Alaska. Alaska's been very, very warm for the month of uh, October. I wrote a blog about this back on uh, February or February, October 19th, Uh, talking about this weather blob and how it may may play a role in our weather here in the middle part of the country so what happens is this blob of water this warm water in the northern pacific ocean basically allows a a bigger area of high pressure okay to control the state of alaska so alaska typically uh, is warmer than average now in the world of weather not all the time, some of the time, but it's an indicator that when Alaska is warm, okay, that means that there's a ridge of high pressure over Alaska and there has to be a ying and a yang to the world of weather. When there's a high pressure area up there that's, I don't want to say permanent, it's semi-permanent, it, it seems like it wants to keep coming back, okay? When something like that occurs, then there has to be a dip in the jet stream, off towards the east downstream if you will of the state of Alaska and that dip in the jet stream is more common than not in the central and eastern part of the country and we're starting to see this a little bit here during the month of October so what does that mean for us it means that potentially I could see a setup where we have colder temperatures uh, through parts of the winter than what we've seen all right over the last few years and We have to keep an eye on this because sometimes if you have this big ridge of high pressure up in Alaska, then you have storms cutting underneath that area of high pressure. That affects California, maybe with some extra rain. And those storms can interact with the colder air. Okay, that comes down from Canada. It's being deflected away from Alaska, coming down through Canada, focusing on the eastern third of the United States. And maybe, just maybe, it's an indicator for an above-average amount of snow here in Kansas City. So there are two indicators for you. One, the weird things going on in the desert southwest, and two, this blob that we've been keeping an eye on off the coast of Alaska, the northern portion of Alaska. All right, so those are just a a few of the things that I'm looking at for the winter season. All right, a couple of other things that I want to uh, kind of finish this first podcast up on. Uh, how about the severe weather situation? Now, here in Kansas City this year, we've actually had uh, tornadoes. They've been little baby tornadoes, thank goodness. Uh, but we've actually had some touchdowns. We've had, uh, we had five back in early May. Uh, we had another one uh, that we saw back in uh, the middle part of October on that Wednesday night. It was a couple of Wednesdays ago. Just a very brief little touchdown over towards uh, Shawnee. So that's what, six, seven different brief, thankfully, weak, thankfully, tornadoes within the heart of Kansas City. That's pretty impressive. I mean, thank goodness they weren't any stronger than that. Uh, But you get the idea that severe weather has not exactly been, um, you know, a stranger for us here. We've had some strong winds from these storms as well. But here's something interesting, all right, nationwide, okay, And, and think about the whole nation. Typically, you get about 1,200 tornadoes nationwide in a year. This year, we're running well below that, uh, somewhere around 850, maybe close to 900 or so. But get this, okay? There has never been a year, okay, without a what we call violent tornado. And a violent tornado has winds of uh, 150 miles an hour, if not stronger, EF4, EF5-type storms, all right? Never been a year then that we haven't had that this year probably jinxing ourselves here this year we have not had an ef4 or an ef5 tornado isn't that amazing and for the last couple of years as a matter of fact uh, there's actually been a a downward decrease it seems in these really strong tornadoes um, that typically the united states gets but for whatever reason We haven't really seen it all that bad uh, in terms of tornadic, devastating storms. Now, there have been some, don't get me wrong. An EF-4 tornado has winds of minimum 166 miles an hour. EF-5 tornado has winds over 200 miles an hour. So, uh, you know, it's something that is very, very unusual. It seems like we used to talk about these things much more than what we've had to talk about thankfully so far the last one and we're not expecting any severe weather of violent natures uh in the united states here for a little while Uh, but the last time there was the an ef4 tornado was back in april of 2017 all right so we're going through the longest stretch of non-violent tornadoes now yeah, people will say, well, my house got hit by a tornado and it ripped off the roof and it was violent to me. Totally get it. Got your, got your vantage point. Totally get it. But in the weather world, we consider violent tornadoes to be tornadoes with at least winds of 166 miles an hour. And that is something we have not seen for quite some time. So there's that little tidbit for you. Uh, We've talked about winter forecasts. We've talked about uh, this lack of really strong tornadoes. And we've talked about a lack of severe weather, at least nationwide. But certainly here in Kansas City, we've had some weak tornadoes. And again, thankfully, they've all been very, very weak. All right. So that's going to do it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to my very, 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 very first weather podcast. I'm hoping to make this somewhat of a semi-regular feature. I'll be uh, talking about this on the weather blog. Again, if you want to follow along on the weather blog, it's something that uh, for you weather geeks out there, I think you probably know of it, but hopefully you enjoy it as well. And that's under fox4kc.com slash Joe's blog. And also on Twitter. I'm a Twitter fiend. I'm Twitter obsessed. Fox4wx on Twitter. And you can like my Facebook page at Joe Loria. Fox 4 meteorologist and at some point we'll have you ask questions and I'll answer those questions that'll be part of a podcast or maybe an addition to the podcast that we do every so often I'm not sure how often we're going to do these I could probably talk about the weather just about every day for about a half hour Uh, but at least uh, every couple of weeks and maybe even more than that uh, we'll do a podcast if I could get a good guest if I have a few thoughts I want to share with you uh, we'll be definitely podcasting that uh, for you. So uh, thank you so much again for uh, joining me. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, get a hold of me through Twitter, through Facebook, and let me know your thoughts about this particular podcast and the podcasts that are on their way to you over the next uh, several months and hopefully the next several years. Uh, Nick and I, by the way, did a podcast. It's on the page somewhere on foxwarkc.com slash uh, podcast, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, uh, that uh, you'll probably get a chuckle out of. We told some stories. I told some stories and some background stuff like that. And I've got some stories I want to tell you too uh, over the coming months. So that's it. Have yourself a wonderful day. I hope you're you're enjoying this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And I look forward to uh, podcasting again probably in the next couple of weeks, if not before. So again, thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of your day.